Hi, welcome to episode two of the Bible Dialogues. We are here to discuss Bible topics, possibly from a different view, but mostly orthodox, as it were. I'm Mike Whitney. I'm mostly focused on the letters of Galatians and Romans. And the other half of today's dialogue is... I'm Darnell Kelly, and uh, just a little bit about me. I'm a scientist who's a Christian, not a Christian scientist. And so looking forward to uh, getting into Galatians 3.19 and having a good discussion about it. All right, so we are going to work a little bit more with the backstory of Galatians 3.19. And that is where Paul says, where, why then is there the law? It's because of transgressions. Um, so there's a big debate on what those transgressions are. And we're not dealing with that so much, but rather on Brown's commentary of 1853. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting commentary. It's, again, it's a backstory. And he shares the interaction of God with Israel's people. So we'll read a little bit of what it is about and what he says. And basically mm -hmm. the overview is it's the story of why Christ came and what Israel was there for, what their role is. So from Brown's commentary, uh, page 150, he says the transgressions on account of which the law was added refer, I apprehend, to the criminal conduct of the Israelites which rendered the introduction of such a system as the law necessary in order to the attainment of the great object of the covenant about Christ and justification by faith through him. And I'm a little bit, just starting off with that, I'm not quite good with the criminal conduct. It's more of just basically not obeying God's requirements up to the point in the wilderness before the law was given. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit looser on the reading than him, but I, I like the general approach. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, we don't get into the weeds of criminal, you know, because at this point to be, you know, kind of glossing over the words too much, but, you know, as far as the context of the word criminal, were they criminals? Well, no, they back to your point they were just not following God's laws his rules and so there were transgressions going on and what they were you know we don't need to get into that but um, there was there was a need as you said a need for a law to keep them in line to get them prepared for the seed who is Christ of which the promise was going to be fulfilled, the, the promise is going to be given to him, or it's going to be fulfilled through him, as we see in Galatians 3.19 later on. But So, he goes on to say, this arrangement of the law was first made known in the first promise, but from the prevalence of human depravity, it seems to have been in the course of ages almost entirely forgotten. I think that's the promise, forgotten. All flesh corrupted its way on the earth. 
the deluge swept away the whole inhabitants of the ancient world, with the exception of one family, among whom the true religion was preserved. Um, so that's Noah, and it's sort of, I don't know if there was the religion per se, but Noah, you know, I think in that time it was an age just either you kind of heard and obeyed God or you didn't right. even pay attention right. to God. Right, because we see other accounts like with Enoch, he walked with God and therefore he was translated up to heaven. So we don't, you know, there was no religion per se as we know it. There was no law per se as we know it. It was that they obeyed or disobeyed. Walk with God or don't. So it's this is a little more back detail than I would expect, but it goes on. In the course of no very long period, the great body of their descendants, the inhabitants of the new world, became idolaters. To prevent the utter extinction from among mankind of the knowledge of God and the way of obtaining his favor, Abraham was called and a plainer revelation made to him of the divine purposes of mercy and his descendants by Isaac and Jacob, chosen as the depositories of this revelation, till he should come to whom the revelation chiefly referred. This point, I think, is very good. Mm. Um, that Paul in Romans 3, 1, basically said, what advantage did the Jews have? And they were maintainers of the oracles of God. Yeah. That's an important point to remember in the backstory. And to tell he should come to whom the revelation chiefly referred. Yeah. Um, that gets us back to Galatians 3.19. Yeah. So, in consequence of the descendants of Jacob coming down into Egypt, they gradually contracted a fondness for Egyptian superstitions and were fast relapsing into a state of idolatry which must soon have determinated in, the being, in their being lost among the nations and the revelation with which they were entrusted being first corrupted and then forgotten. And when God raised up Moses as their deliverer, brought them out of Egypt and placed them under the very peculiar order of things, which we commonly term the Mosaic Law. So he gets into some detail on that. Uh, a little surprising because I'm not sure how much of the superstitions and idolatry they took on. Mm -hmm. uh, it could have been great. It could have been small. It just I thought the scripture was mute on that. Is that yeah. Mute? Go ahead. No, I was going to say this. More than likely, some influences from their religion that was at, going on at the time. Because we, you know, if we delve into the history of Egypt uh, from that time period, even going back to ancient Samaria, we know that there was a mystery school religion happening in, uh, you know, Egypt at that time. And just briefly, they were, you know, worshiping a triune god of their own. You know, you know, they were worshiping uh, Ra, the sun god, or Osiris, and then you have Isis and uh, Horus, the child god, uh, So and then all the other idols and uh, things that they had in Egypt, I'm sure, and you think necessarily more than likely that there was some kind of influence on the Israelites in Egypt in their captivity for the period of time that they were there, uh, hence why they more than likely got the idea for the golden calf in the desert 
building some idol, some sort of figure image to kind of project their desires or prayers and all that stuff too, instead of uh, waiting on the Lord. Right, that makes sense. Uh, so he's can even be just extrapolating from the golden calf incident to fill in details or as a sign or indicator of them having taken on the other religion of Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, and as we said earlier, there was no concrete religion for the Israel people to follow. Um, yeah. All they had was a promise to Abraham, the promises to Jacob, and the knowledge of God from that sense. And that was like one of the weaknesses of the time before the law was, and they kind of use that for Christians too, uh, sometimes interpreting Galatians along this line, is that they say the Gentiles didn't have a way to, the thing to keep them structured as Christians, so they were looking back to the Mosaic law. But indeed, the Mosaic law did keep Israel occupied. Mm -hmm. They fell away from it a lot, but we'll get into that a little bit more later, but mm -hmm. it had something that they could return back to. Right. And so, um, right. So I guess way to get to into the Abrahamic promise, because my question then here was like, as we as we're going to continue to talk, I'm sure we're going to flesh this out. Like what, what, what exactly was the promise? Because I've heard in some circles that the promise was Christ. And we can see in Galatians 319 that that wasn't entirely it. I mean, it was the promise was going to be you know, sorry, a reading of Galatians 319 to be more accurate. It was it was going to come through Christ. That, that will be when we start talking about uh, what the promise is, especially especially uh, introduced the uh, Genesis 315. Uh, oh, Abrahamic, did you want you to know, throw something one. in there on Genesis 315? No, no, no. no. I, I was just I was just uh, kind of putting like a intermediate question in there. Like, OK, we're talking about the promise and I know we're going to get to what that actually is. Then you want to get it ahead of things on that but uh so that'll be the next thing we talk about <laughs> what the promise was and and was it was it christ or if it's not christ what what you know is christ rolling in that it's like the promise is going to be fulfilled through him yeah it that gets into different debates and sort of the problem of understanding galatians 3 19 and 20 these yeah. days is people get confused on what aspect of the promise Paul is talking about at that time. Right, right. Because I've been on the popular side of misunderstanding uh, what the promise is, and that you know comes with where I've come from as far as uh, spiritual background. Sure. So the Israelites were given the Mosaic Law. It was an order of things admirably. Can you say that word? Admirably. <laughs> admirably. <Yeah. laughs> An order of things admirably adopted to preserve them, a distinct and peculiar people, and by doing so to pre preserve the revelation of mercy through the Messiah, of which they were the depositaries, and to prepare abundant and satisfactory stores of evidence and illustration when the great deliverer appeared. Evidence that he was indeed the person to whom the hopes of mankind had from the beginning been directed. So I think this is an excellent observation by Brown on many issues is that they are they are there Israel was there to testify to Christ his specific yeah. identity and to preserve them a distinct and peculiar people which gets into modern conflicts or uh, discussions yeah. whether Israel should be separated from Gentiles totally but the Mosaic yeah. law 
only said, don't follow the way of the nations, but with sure. Gentiles in your midst, treat them well because you were strangers in Egypt. Mm -hmm. How do you see it? No, yes, it's because you are touching on First uh, Peter 2, 9 and 10, where it talks about the peculiar people. And maybe we can go and read that uh, uh, allusion there because it would appear that the peculiar people were the nation of Israel. And we see that also evidenced in, I believe, well, it's in the Old Testament as well, somewhere in Exodus, where it talks about Israel being this peculiar nation. And it's uh, peculiar insofar that they are the depositaries, as we see here, of this promise of lending or basically being testifiers up until the time of Christ. As we, you know, not only just see here in the commentary, which is so elucidated, but we, you know, see that in the word of which Brown comments on here. So Israel had a duty to hold and deposit, dispense the this promise or these uh, these rules, this 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 law, this peculiarity to amongst the nations just by example, an example of following God. And then they would be this city on the hill, this shining example for the other nations to see. And then you know, up until the time of Christ, the great deliverer, as as he puts here. Right. I think the peculiar aspect, one, is the monotheistic God, um, and that they only had a central place of worship instead of having each person having idols in their house. And these things would stand out quite distinctly from the nations around them, even who sacrificed babies, who... Mm -hmm who again had the idols or who could set up an altar anywhere and worship any way they wanted to. And God was very strict in keeping yeah. only the central worship active. Yeah, right. And there was so many nations or polytheistic or maybe even pantheistic. God is in everything and everywhere. Polytheistic, many gods, many idols. So you're right. Yeah, I mean, to centralize... Because we see that in the first commandment, God is a jealous God. You shall not have any other gods before me. You know, keep that worship central and unto Him. You know, you do that, blessings to come, and you don't do it, curses to come, as we see in uh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's interesting in you saying that the one God and worship where He is. I may have added that, but it contrasts against the plural gods that the other nations had and they could worship anywhere god mm -hmm. so god kind of brings it visually and physically into one location and that put, disperses puts aside any other type of gods you know so if you want the true god you got to come to this one spot yeah and they didn't have to do it every sunday or some every, every saturday yeah. or sabbath day but that's where the sacrifices were done mm -hmm. so yeah so it's like a it's almost, it's really kind of a forerunner of the scripture that we see later in John, where we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not a designated time or day. It's a continual process, it's a continual worshiping of him in one location, knowing that he is the one true God and that you worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you know, you had these physical things that uh, appertain to the law, but at the end of the day, it was your spiritual worship. So I'm that, gonna, 
I'll go on. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll go on. So Brown continues, every person acquainted with the principles of depraved human nature and with the history of the Jews at and subsequent to their deliverance from Egypt will see that their transgressions rendered such arrangement as the Mosaic law absolutely necessary on the supposition that the Messiah was not to appear for a course of ages and that the revelation of salvation through him was to be preserved in the world by means of the Jewish people. One thing that brings in right there is the transgressions that are spoken of here would yeah. refer back to the interpretation or one interpretation of Galatians 2.19 transgressions. So the law was necessary because of their transgressions. You mean you mean three nineteen or your three nineteen? Yes. Yeah. A good thing again here we mentioned earlier that the Jews had the oracles of God mm -hmm. in Romans three one, and this says that they had the revelation of salvation through Him, uh, the Messiah was to be preserved in the world by means of the Jewish people. Of course, it was a mystery to them, the nature mm -hmm. of that salvation, but. It was the reality of what was coming forth through prophecies. Right. Now, you made a point earlier about, uh, you know, God reminding Israel that they are to, you know, be an example to the other nations. And you, I think you interjected the word Gentile in there. Now, trivial point, but uh, did in Scripture, did God say Gentiles or did he just say other nations? Just, you know, just a point of fact, I guess. Well, Gentiles means it's the same word as nations. So depending okay. on the context in the New Testament, yes. they'll either say Gentiles or they'll say nations. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It, it uh, depends on the context of which it, the word was using, used. So, which is very important. <laughs> right, you know, the translators do the best to make it readable to us. And uh, sometimes it obscures a bit of understanding that we could be aided by, but it, the translation gets us further than we would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So here's the response a bit on the Galatians discussion as he goes on to say, we are not so much, if at all, to consider the Mosaic law as a punishment for the transgressions of the descendants of Abraham. We are rather to consider it as a means by which their transgressions rendered necessary in order to secure the object of their being chosen to be God's peculiar people. Nice. Go on. No, no I was just saying that's a nice uh, summary of what is going on. It's like it was not a punishment. It was like a kind of a streamlining. You're wayward. You're doing all these things. So here, <laughs> here's your guideposts. This is your guidelines now, guys, in order to be the peculiar people, the example among the nation. You do this. Because you are the chosen, I'm choosing you to be the depositaries up until the time of Christ. Yeah. So it says, and continuing on the same line, is to be preserved from being involved in the ignorance and idolatry and vice in which the surrounding nations were sunk was a blessing at whatever expense it might be gained. And I think that's always important to remember about the Israel people is you know, looking up to the first century, they, they were the only ones who knew God, as it were. And mm -hmm. they also, like one thing I say about the first century is more of them came to Christ than from any other 
kind of Gentile tribe around them. Uh, yeah. Um, so they, they got first dibs, they got probably the most permeation of transition. It still wasn't enough people being saved from among them, but they got the, got to hear this and they got the blessing of Christ among them. Sure. Yep. So at the same time, had it not been for the transgressions of the Israelites, the more spiritual and less burdensome order of things under which Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were placed might have continued, and the law as distinct order of things never existed because never needed. Mm. So I think it's a little bit, speaking positively there, it's a little bit hard to follow yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Had it not been, the, the things, the ordinances or the ways of their forefathers would have continued and there would be the, the the law would have not been necessary but since there were these things galatians 3:19 the law was necessary that would as we've been saying up until that would lead up until christ yeah that's a nice nice point kind of like a hypothetical oh if they didn't do this <laughs> yeah he's he's giving a little more positive spin to the to the law there yeah and and, and, and to you know like how people, as we were talking about at the beginning, how people were walking with God, if they could have just done that as simply as however that was, then they could have gone into perpetuity. <laughs> and one thing we have to understand is the, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all encountered God, we'll say directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they had some sort of presence of God among them. Uh, the Israelites did too, but I think they were too nervous about it. <laughs> they, they didn't mm -hmm. like it. And mm -hmm. it's the nature of man. And, you know, you have three people versus sometimes they say a million people in the wilderness. I'm not sure how many. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so God's going to deal more effectively with three people than with a million <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and we just have this notion of mediator, because that also will go over to Galatians 3.20. We're get into I'm going to be tangential, tangential on that. But anyway, the mediators being, once the law is set up, okay, we have the Levitical mediators. These are the guys that are going, or the chosen amongst those Levites are going to go into the holy, holiest of holies, you know, holy of holies. They are the ones who are going to dispense, you know, a word from the Lord, as it were. You know, these these priests would go in and do their things, and the prophets also would be uh, serve as mediators to all of those peoples uh, that you're talking about, all the the citizens, because it's like this one person or set of people, as we see here, this triumvirate of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that were going to be either dispensing information from God or um, doing things on behalf of the people, like the priests, right? So right. then the right the uh, nation would receive a blessing as a result of these patriarchs or these priests uh, and prophets doing doing what they needed to do. Right, and they you know it was the kind of groundwork or the framework by which God would reveal the Messiah through those prophets, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and we could also say through the temple format, which was a form of heaven. A representation of what's in heaven. Yeah, I use heaven to describe what God's scenario, what surrounds God. Um, I'm not talking yet about a destination for people. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, this this symbol, this image, this whatever it is, not important to dis- to discuss, but, you know, uh, it represents, the temple on the earth represented whatever that was. Right. <laughs> right. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he brings us back more to the Galatians text, and he says, the law was added for this reason, so the seed should come to whom the promise was made. I have already stated my reasons for understanding the seed here of the Messiah, and of mm-hmm. course, rendering the words, till the seed should come, in reference to whom the promise was made. The promise referred to is, thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Amen. A promise made not to the Messiah, but in reference to the Messiah. So that brings us sort of to another right. debate issue that you kind of brought up earlier. Yeah, right. Uh, meaning that because just coming from my spiritual background, I've come to an understanding that the promise was the Messiah. Okay, we're, we're talking about the seed. We're talking about the promise and the seed are the same thing. But when you read, especially, and I'm not giving uh Accedence to King James to say that this is the authoritative translation, but I'm saying in terms of what you read in the King James, it's pretty clear that the promise was not to, but in reference to, like this, this through him, through Jesus Christ, in thy seed, as it says there in Genesis, you know, Genesis 12, in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So it's, it's, uh, it's a more pervasive thing. The promise is that families of the earth to be blessed um and not saying the promise is jesus christ you know it is through him that's the promise that's the bible clearly states yeah i think there's at least three aspects to that we'll get into probably another time um Mm -hmm. we'll probably finish up pretty quickly but it goes on the view this view of the law being rendered by the transgressions of the israelites necessary to preserve them as a separate people and to gain the ends connected with this till the coming of the Messiah, when the necessity of this order of things should cease, exactly corresponds with what the apostle afterwards says of the Israelitish people, as <laughs> I like that word, as kept imprisoned, confined, shut up by the law. Mm. So he brings it back to some verses, a few verses past yeah. our focus, like up in Galatians three nineteen and twenty. Yeah, I think it's, it looks like some references to even Romans, where it's, you know, that every mouth be stopped. You know, the law is, is it, it puts everybody guilty. <laughs> yeah, that's, shut up law. yeah, that's a good point. So, so this text, I think, is very good. There's differences I would, I would almost like to just rewrite it a little bit and change a few words here and there, and then I would find it perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is one I would like to just people to see and read and <laughs> kind of understand mm-hmm. things from a more narrative perspective than if you read a Galatian commentary. Yeah. Do you have any kind of final observations or a little more discussion on it? Um, yeah, I think we've pretty much um, covered some of the overall details of what the Abrahamic promise was. Uh, families of the earth be blessed through Jesus Christ. So until that time, Israel, you're your guide stones. It's your guideposts. You are going to be the example, the shining city on the hill for the other nations to see. And maybe hopefully some or many or all 
uh, come to come to know God that way. But the promise is going to come through the nation of Israel. Israel is chosen um, for that purpose up until the time of Christ. And then now once Christ comes, all the families of earth can be blessed. And so I just had one little additional thought uh, outside of uh, these notes here. That families of the, when we say the word earth, right? You know, it's it's normal to think that the entire planet, which is not an overreach as far as you know, kind of like initial understanding, or is the earth just the world as they know it, or even just the nation of Israel? I, I probably not the not the the latter, but um, could it be like the world as they know it, and not the entire entire world? But yeah, just, just a question. Right, and that's uh, like an interesting issue to get into when you're talking about the gospel reaching to the Gentiles and yeah, uh, understanding scripture to go not just to the face of the earth, which you know generally refers to the land that they knew, that they encountered yeah. all the time, but that the gospel extends far beyond you know, to reach really the utter ends of the earth, I think. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll get into that topic sometime with a little bit of structure behind it. And Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yes, for today we've covered just kind of the transgressions of the, gen of the Israelites and the background of Galatians 3.19. And I think that makes for a good episode. Amen. I'm in agreement. <laughs> All right. We hope to see people... Uh, in the next weeks as we do more episodes. Thank you. Thank you.